talk about sharing Christmas, and especially today about sharing joy. So as I was preparing for this morning, uh, I was in my dining room, and uh, I looked up, and here was this word, joy, sitting right in my dining room. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool, because uh, that was what I uh, was, was speaking on today. And, uh, and so then I thought, what a wonderful word, joy. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to look around my house and see if there's any other places where this word joy is in my home. And uh, you can see some photos from, from our home of this word joy. I definitely like this word joy, and it's in our home in lots of different places. Well, our family, we love Christmas. We love it. We love to decorate. We start November 1st. We are like full-on, full-send Christmas believers and decorators. And it just brings such joy to pull out all of those ornaments and the snow globes and the nativities and the Christmas trees. And so I want you to type into the chat right now with a guess of how many Christmas trees you think we have put up this year inside our home. And these Christmas trees range from three feet to nine feet. So just put a number in the chat, and then in a little bit, uh, one of my daughters is going to jump in there and tell you what the real number is. So we just love Christmas because it's a time of joy, right? It's a time of a family and food and uh, giving to one another and spending time together. And so we just love this word joy. You see, I believe our words are powerful. The words that we use, the words that we speak over ourselves, over other people, the words that we believe, the words that we accept, that we have all around us. And today, church, I feel like God has a word for you. He has a word for me. He has a word that he wants to say to us. And I believe part of that message is that you are positioned for purpose for this very time and season. You know, the pandemic was not a surprise to God, right? When this happened, he wasn't like, oh, shoot, if only I had seen this coming. If only I had known there was going to be a pandemic. Dang, I, I could have put that on my calendar. No, no, no. God knew that there was a pandemic coming, and God also knew that he wanted you here for this specific time, for this specific purpose, because he has placed you in a position a position in Jesus Christ. You see, you have powerful influence in the name of Jesus in the place of where you are at right now. Louis Giglio says, where you are in life won't limit where God will use you in life. Isn't that so good? You see, we have to, we have to like take off this, this idea and understanding that our worldly position is connected to our heavenly influence. Those two actually are not connected. No matter what your position, your position does not limit how you can bring the gospel to a broken and desperate world. You see, Jesus and the disciples in the New Testament they were talking to people um, who were being oppressed by the Roman government, right? And so they were speaking directly to this idea of being underneath the government and being oppressed in cruelty. And, and Jesus was saying to them something different, 
something different than what anyone else had said. And maybe you're feeling like this government authority is pressing you down, and, and you're feeling oppressed, and you're feeling restricted. And Jesus and the disciples said then, and it still applies today, is that you have influence. You have powerful influence with purpose in the place that you are in right now. Jesus and the disciples, they also talked to people who were trapped in slavery. And we don't have um, a lot of visible slavery, but we do have a workforce. And maybe you're feeling like that workforce has you trapped and you are feeling oppressed. And Jesus was saying to those who were in slavery, to those who were in the workforce, you can have powerful influence in the place that you are in right now. And Jesus and the disciples, they also talked to women. And there are a lot of countries where women are still mistreated, where there are still not rights for women. And Jesus and the disciples were so clear in the New Testament, and they spoke directly to women that, that you might feel like you don't have a lot of power and influence, but you do. God has given you influence. God has given you authority in his name. Even if your family and the people around you don't believe, you have an opportunity to influence and a power to change in yourself. You see, no matter what your location is, no matter what your situation or your position, the simple reality is you have powerful influence. And you might be thinking, like, preach it, girl, right? Like, let's rise up and let's come against the institution that's powerful, right? Like, let's fight the government. Like, that's powerful, but just like Jesus didn't come to lead a revolution 2,000 years ago because he just didn't walk that way because he was saying something different, I believe he's, he's not saying to us it's time for a revolution. He's saying something different. He's saying you have powerful influence in this. Let it be the quality of your life that wins your family, not the quantity of your words that you think will try to win your family. In other words, don't keep telling your family what's wrong with them and what they need to change and telling the people around you that they're wrong and you always have to have the last word and you always have to be right and you're just trying to yell louder than anybody else like a crazy person just trying to get their attention with your words that honestly start to sound like nah, 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 nah. Jesus is saying in the New Testament, change your life, you. And I felt like God's been speaking to this to me for the last six months. And so church, I want you to hear this with me. Let Jesus change my life. Just say that with me, right, wherever you are. Jesus change my life, right? That we're not looking at all the people around us that need to be changed. Let, let's let go of that. Jesus, change my life, right? And what happens is when my life is changed, that's powerful. Because the people around me see that change inside of me. And that's what will impact them. Our coworkers, our neighbors, our teenagers, whoever is near you, Maybe what they need are less words to convince them of what they need to do to change, but to be able to watch God actually change in you and transform you, and that that would be the influence that would change their lives. 
You see, I, I believe we need to live this kind of life, a life that is noticeably different. Because as soon as we tell somebody that we're a Christian, we are on display if we want to admit it or not, right? Now they're watching. They're watching to see how we respond, how, what our words are, how we behave. So let people be curious because you behave differently because you respond differently. Because they notice that you don't repay evil with evil, that you don't retaliate. And that is when our powerful influence can rise up. Because now we have an open door to be able to say God's goodness in our lives, to share a story, to share a testimony. But first, we got to have a God story in our lives. And that happens when we are open to change. And here's something that I know is difficult, and I don't want it to come across as pointing a finger. Not at all. So please, just take that, out, take that off. But here's a question. If no one is ever asking you why you're different or noticing that you're different, is that a bit of a clue as to maybe there isn't a lot of change going on in your life? How much are you pressing into God, into his heart, how much are you seeking obedience and righteousness and faith? And it's convicting, isn't it? But if no one's asked us in a really long time why we're different, maybe it's because we're not different. Maybe it's because we look more like the world than the world looks like the world, right? My husband and I were talking about this the other day. We live in a selfish culture, right? We live in a very self-focused culture. And I think the world looks at us as Christians and says, I want to know what's in it for me. So you want to talk to me about this Jesus, about God? Well, I want to know what's in it for me, right? If a pre-Christian was to look at a Christian, they want to ask, what's in it for me? If all they see in the Christian that's standing before them is a hothead, somebody who's angry, somebody who's smoking pot, they're going to ask, where's the change in that person and why would I want the God that they believe in? Because I don't see God transforming and changing their lives. We're all asking, what's in it for me? And how does this God thing work if the Christian standing in front of me is stealing and cheating and watching porn? They want to know what's in it for them. And if they're not seeing change and transformation in you, why would they sign up for this? Matthew 6 starts at verse 21. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. And it says, for your heart will always pursue what you value as treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You'll have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. Maybe you've read this scripture before and thought, like, what, what is going on? This sounds kind of 
confusing. Well, first, Matthew is talking about your heart and letting the light in. And then he's saying you can't serve two, two gods at the same time. And so what does it mean? Well, it actually means that these two things are connected. They really are connected, but they're in conflict with one another because we let things cloud our hearts. And when we do, the darkness overtakes and the light can't come in, right? Like things like love of money, love of self, love of being in the spotlight or otherworldly things. We live in a self-centered, self-focused society and we like having the spotlight on us, don't we? We like being noticed and praised for our accomplishments and our status and our appearance and our house and our garage full of cars. And we want to make sure that we get what we need. We want to make sure we get what's due to us. And what this scripture is saying is that it's kind of like gritty sandpaper because God is saying, if you would come to the conclusion that you have one purpose, you have one purpose, and that is to serve one God, your master, then what's going to happen out of that is when all of that unclouding happens is that you're going to live with an inner joy and an inner peace. Because that conflict won't be at wrestle, won't, won't be wrestling in your heart anymore if you surrender to one God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's when we see the glorious reflection of God in our eyes. And that's when we influence other people because they see that reflection too. Not the love of money or things that cloud and separate us. And does God want us to be perfect? No, he knows that we can never be perfect. But he does want a heart of surrender before him. He wants a heart that's willing to say, transform me, change me. I surrender all these things. He wants to see our intent. Is our intention that we're just trying to fix and change and preach to everybody around us? Or is our intention that we're just so flat out pursuing our Heavenly Father and we want that light to come into our hearts so that it can be a light to shine for others? A friend said to me this week, if you want someone else's change and growth more than they do, one, it will frustrate you, and two, they will feel like they're being manipulated. Wow. So let's not do that. Let's focus on our own growth first and be contagious so that the other people around us are influenced by our actions, not preaching. Christine Kane says, let the light that shines in you be brighter than the light that shines on you. I want you just to read that with me. Let the light in you be greater than the light on you. What matters is that we have surrendered ourselves and our will and our heart to God and that there's only one God in our life and that we aren't trying to get the spotlight on ourselves. You see, God loves that kind of heart, a heart that's not pursuing fame and fortune. Even within the Christian world, God loves a tender, humble heart before him. And over history, he has used some unique and unexpected people in his God story, and I believe he wants to use you and that's why you're alive right now in the midst of a pandemic. 
If we look at the Christmas story at the beginning of Luke, we can see that there are some characters that certainly did not have a spotlight on them. If we look to the shepherds that were in the field, these guys, they tended sheep. Their job was pretty simple and pretty easy, and they certainly did not have a worldly spotlight on them to say. And I'm sure there were lots of other people that were more qualified with more impressive resumes that could have been chosen to be among the first people to see and to meet Jesus Christ. And yet God chose those humble, humble shepherds. He moved the shepherds forward above people with prestige and status. And why? Because God is not looking for qualifications. He doesn't see if you are the CEO of a company or a waitress at a bar. He doesn't see if you are a high-profile person or a guy who's working in a camp. He doesn't see those things, those positions of, of power and status and authority that we see in the world. God doesn't see all that. He takes all of that off, and he sees past into the heart of the person. And he found that kind of openness and vulnerability in shepherds, unqualified shepherds. He saw light in them. He also saw light in the wise men. These guys, scholars say, uh, studied Eastern religions and were astrologers. And God kind of like broke off the expectations, but he saw the heart. He saw obedience. He saw a willingness to follow him. And so he chose the unexpected. Because he saw light in them. And God sure didn't see or find prestige and status or royalty or even fame in Mary and Joseph. And yet he chose a humble workman and a young teenage girl to be the parents of God, of Jesus Christ. He gave them a destiny and a purpose because he saw a light in them that they weren't seeking a spotlight on them. See, he sees what's inside of us. And he's not caught up in your status or your resume. So if you feel like you have no position or authority, that is a lie. That is not true. No matter where you are, God wants to use you. He is interested in what is inside you. And I believe he's saying to us today, I have an opportunity for you. Would you lay down all of the other gods and the pressures and the things of the world that you think are important? And would you reconcile your heart to me, Jesus is saying, to one God? And that's the power. That's like the spark. That's like starting the engine of change in our lives. It's when we say, yeah, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender my will to you. And that's the beauty of the gospel because it transforms and it changes. You know, I am watching the news just like you are. And I see the tensions online. I see social media uh, and, and the, you know, conflict. Uh, it started out, we had just a pandemic to deal with, but now it seems like there's so much controversy. There's so much conflict that's going on, and I see brothers and sisters in Christ that are arguing on social media, and, and, and I see, and I, and I understand that these are difficult times, and I'm with you. I'm struggling in the midst of a pandemic, too. This is not easy. It's not easy when my friends tell me that they have COVID. 
It's not easy walking through this. So I'm not minimizing anyone's struggle. But I want to tell you, here's what I'm doing in the midst of a pandemic. I'm going to God every single day. I'm going to him every day, and I'm saying, God, would you change my heart? I'm going to his word, and I'm choosing the truth, the light, to come into my heart. And and what happens is that my responses change, right? Because I have have the word of God on my lips. His his words are in my heart, and I recite his, his words instead of so often responding out of anger or frustration. And don't get me wrong, I don't get it right every single day, but I want you to know that this is how I've chosen to respond, is that I don't want to engage in those things. I want to engage in the Word of God. I want to know His Word more than I've ever known it. I want to pray more and talk to Him more than I've ever talked to Him. That's going to be my response. Because I want a light inside of me that is burning so bright that that it influences other people. And not because I want a spotlight on myself, because I want our city to know Jesus Christ. Because I want our city to know there is a different voice. You don't need to listen to all that negativity. God has something different for you. He wants to say something different for you. He has placed you in a place of position, of authority, of influence in your circles, and he wants to shine that light through you. John 8.31 says, Jesus was speaking to the Jews who had believed in him, and he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Social media is not going to set you free. The news is not going to set you free. And I'm not saying to be oblivious and to not know the things that are going on in our world, because we do. We need to be wise in these things. But what I'm saying is that I want to hear God through his word and allow it to refine me and redefine me. Say that with me. Refine me and redefine me. In church, you know, as I prepare to speak to you, I got to tell you, God convicts my heart in these things, and he reminds me, I don't get to point the finger at anybody. (laughs) God, refine me. Redefine me. That's the cry of my heart. That's the prayer of my heart, that I would know him more intimately than I've ever known him. That in the midst of a pandemic, I would know his purpose for my life. I would know his destiny for my life, and that I would be step by step with him in that. Church, do you want that? I I want you to write yes in the chat if you want that, because church, I want that for us. God, don't let me focus on anyone else around me that needs to change or making a list and picking apart somebody else, but God, ignite a light inside of me. And here's a little bit of a challenge. And if I'm poking a button, I I don't mean to. um, But here's a little bit of a challenge. Would you, for every minute that you spend researching about COVID, 
um, or about theories or about um, sermons about theories or about the prime minister or about the U.S. Uh, president. For every minute that you spend researching and focusing on those things, would you match it with a minute in the Word of God? So if you spend 10 minutes online researching or listening to a podcast or something about COVID or about the pandemic, anything, that you would match that and spend 10 minutes in the Word of God. If you spend 30 minutes focusing on the news, would you spend 30 minutes in the Word of God? And here's what's going to happen, church, and I hope that you say yes right now in the chat, because here's what's going to happen. If we turn our hearts back to God, if we turn our hearts and put our energy and our time and our focus in him, he's the one to transform. He's the one to change. He says the truth will set you free, and we know the word of God is truth. So focus your heart and your mind and your soul and your eyes and every bit of yourself on the word of God. That's what we need to hear right now. We need to be prophesying over each other with the word of God. We need to be encouraging each other with the word of God. And don't think, oh boy, I listened to a podcast about so-and-so and so. No, no, no. It doesn't replace intimacy with the word of God. Studying and listening and praying and asking God to teach you through the word of God. And so church, I hope you say yes to me. It's actually not to me, it's to God. <laughs> I hope you say yes to God. Because he wants to use the position that we're in. But our hearts need to be surrendered and tender and submitted before him. I believe God wants to use you. And you might feel like, well, I'm a nobody. Who am I? Well, you are not a nobody. God chose to use Esther, a Jewish girl who became the queen of Persia. And she used her influence because she had a humble, malleable heart before God. And she broke out of all of the expectations that people had of her because she wasn't focused on being in the spotlight. She was actually trying so hard to run from it, but all she wanted was the light in her heart. Obedience to God, that that would be the message of her life. Not that she was famous, but that she was obedient and surrendered to God. And it says in, in Esther 4.14, if you remain silent at this time, you see, Esther could have stayed silent. She could have done nothing, but God had destiny and purpose and position for her. And it says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But, if you, but you and your father's family will perish. If you don't do anything, your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And church, you have a royal position in Jesus Christ. You are an heir to the King of Kings. And you have a royal position. And I believe God is saying to you right here, right now, wherever you are, are you willing to step into my plan and my purpose and my destiny? And if you are, you're going to start by turning on that engine and surrendering your heart to God, by submitting to him, by letting go of all that other stuff and getting realigned with the king of heaven. You see, as, as a Christian, we know God is sovereign. 
And he, it's kind of a humbling thought because he doesn't actually need us. He doesn't actually need Kimmy Orton in order for the gospel to prevail. He will find another way. That's how God works. You see, I can get in line with what he's doing and be a part of the God story, but it's still the God story. It's not the Kimmy Orton show. It's not the Kimmy Orton story. It's the God story. So do I want to be in line with that? As a royal member of a heavenly kingdom, oh, yes, I do. Because I want to watch God work through me. (laughs) So I want to be aligned to that. I want to be connected to that because I have royalty in my blood. Because I have been adopted into the kingdom by Jesus Christ. And so have you. So stop cowering in a corner and step into your royal birthright. God has called you for such a time as this. Yes, he has. We have to stop expecting that God is going to keep doing things the way that we're comfortable with him doing things. And so I need to change the expectations of myself. I want you to say that. I need to change the expectations of myself. Because let's be honest, it's us that limits us. God is limitless. He doesn't box us in. We limit us. And God wants us to push out of those expectations and to be used. And I also need to change the limitations of myself. And so how do I do that? Well, I start that engine by surrendering to God, by getting in line with what he's doing. And I want us to look at Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And I have this from the Passion Translation for you, so it might sound a little different than how you might know it, but I love it. It says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's anything, see if there is any path of pain I'm walking in. And lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. If we can get rid of all of those clouds, which comes from repentance and forgiveness, we can have God right in front of us again. It's so easy. There's no magic formula. God, I repent. Please forgive me. And what happens is that we ask him to search our heart, to show us the offenses, to show us the things that that he wants us to work on. And, And it's that engine is now in movement because we are surrendering to him. And so, church, I'm asking if you would take a step with me today. Would you pray this prayer over this next two days? Would you seek out God in these next two days and pray these words from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, and ask God to search your heart and be open with him and vulnerable with him. Search my heart, God. And I want you to type this in the chat if you're a quick typer. Search my heart, God. Because it's kind of like you're saying, yes, I'm stepping into this. I'm going to be obedient. Search my heart, God. Show me the hidden sin. Lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways. 
See, I know if I want to be healthy and lose weight, I can't just be healthy on Monday when I'm going to go jump on the scale. I actually have to be healthy and eat well all week long to produce the fruit of what I want on Monday. So don't think, oh, no, no, I prayed this uh, last month. I prayed this last year. I asked God to search me, you know, at a retreat three years ago. No, 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 today, today, search my heart, God. That's what I'm asking for you to do. Because I hear God saying to you, John 15, 16, that you are chosen. He says, you didn't choose me, but I have chosen and commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask in the name of my Father, for my sake, he will give it to you. You are chosen, church. And maybe you haven't heard that in a while, or maybe you've never heard it. But God says to you specifically, you are chosen. You have kingdom inheritances. And he wants to light that light in you right now. And so let's set aside the spotlight and let's focus on the light that is inside of us. Because when we do, Jesus is going to lead us to the places where he wants the gospel to be known. He's going to give you favor and influence that is going to blow you away when you are aligned and humble before him and seeking His light, not a spotlight. You see, the goal is 1 Peter 3.8, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards other believers. We are chosen to live in harmony, and that's part of God's purpose and plan for us right now, and that means that we focus on that light. We focus on harmony. And if I was to ask you, are you living in harmony with people around you right now? I sure hope you would say yes. And it doesn't mean that we, we set aside our opinions or our ideas or our, our, our right to religious freedom or education. These are life-giving things that we need to stand up for. But are you communicating them in a way of harmony? In a way where the other person on the other side doesn't get defensive, but says, wow, they're struggling, but wow, look at the way they responded in love. Look at the joy of the Lord that they have. You see, we're chosen to be sympathetic. Sympathy opens doors of influence as we love other people. We are chosen to be kind. We are chosen to have joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My last point for today is that the secret of being joyful always is God's spirit. You see, you have a spot in your soul that is the perfect shape and fit of the Holy Spirit. And God, he designed you right from conception with this spot in your soul that is the exact shape of the Holy Spirit. And nothing else is supposed to live inside of that spot. Only the Spirit of God is supposed to be there. And so I want to ask if you would respond with me today. And and I know you're at home or at a coffee shop or wherever. But if you could, I would love your response to stand with me as we invite the Spirit. That he would be the light shining inside of us. You see, we expect pastors and teachers and the podcasts that we listen to to be the one bringing light to us. 
But they're, they're not. There's only one God. There's only one word of God, and there is no substitute. So do not turn to another voice, to another man or woman, and say that they're going to be the light bringer and light bearer in my life. There is only one. His name is Jesus Christ, and he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And so, Jesus, we just stand in awe of you, God. We just repent of all the clouds, all the things that have come between our heart, our spirit, and you, Jesus. We repent. And maybe you want to name some of those things right now. Like, I just repent that I haven't focused on you the way I should have, that I've been bitter, that I've been angry, that I've been blaming other people. I just repent, Jesus. And I ask, Father, for your forgiveness. You are merciful. <laughs> you are the King of glory. And so thank you for your forgiveness. And God, I want to surrender my heart to you, and I want to ask that you would search me and know me so that I would know you, God. And so I come into alignment and agreement with all the things that you need to do in my heart, even if it's going to hurt a bit. <laughs> God, I come into agreement because I don't want anything blocking between me and you. I don't want anything to, to stumble me. I don't want anything that would hinder that light from shining, Lord God, because I, I repent of chasing after a spotlight. I just want your light to shine, Lord God. Let that be my position of influence, Lord God, the light inside of me. And so church, I just pray, yeah, just enter into that and agree with me by saying, in the name of Jesus, amen. May you share love and hope and joy and peace this Christmas season.